and welcome to Behind the Headline, the Voices News podcast. My name is Annabella Hogue. I'm the Voices News Executive. And I'm Sarah Watson, the Voices News Editor. And this is a podcast where we take a deeper look at our top stories and gain perspective from the writers who wrote them. Today we are talking to Darren Jan, the Voices Editorial Board Chair, about his coverage of graduate workers and workers' rights at Georgetown. Darren has written six articles about workers' rights and the Georgetown Alliance of Graduate Employees, also known as GAGE. Thank you for joining us, Darren. Uh, to start off, how about you tell us a little bit about your personal interest in this topic and kind of how you got involved in this coverage? Yeah, definitely. So I've always been interested in social justice and coming to Georgetown was the first time I really learned about workers' rights issues and worker exploitation on campus. Um, and I got involved with this student organization my freshman year called the Georgetown Solidarity Committee. Um, for context, uh, they were founded out of the group of students who went on a hunger strike in 2005 to push the, for the university to adopt a living wage for all its workers. And like Solidarity Committee was doing all this amazing work when I was a freshman, like having weekly breakfast with workers to like be in tune with their concerns and then helping Leos and Levy workers uh, form a union. So that was how I got pretty interested and involved with workers' rights issues. And that was kind of where my desire to cover these stories came from. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about some of the stories that you've written. You've written a lot about Gage over the last year, covering their contract and arbitration with the university. Can you tell us about that larger story, your writing and interviewing process, and also how you've kept track of that story as it's developed? And for those who may not know, what is Gage? Definitely. So it stands for the Georgetown Alliance of Graduate Employees. It is the workers union covering graduate student workers at Georgetown. It has a really long history, but basically in the years leading up to 2018, I think beginning in 2015, graduate students began conversations with the university about potentially forming a union. And these negotiations went back and forth for several years without much progress. But finally, the university agreed in the beginning of 2018 to allow the students to vote on unionization. So the graduate students voted to unionize in November 2018. And in their vote, they really prioritized several areas in which graduate students felt that they needed more protections and benefits, specifically uh, a better system for reporting workplace harassment, increased worker compensation and better healthcare. And basically since that the 2018 union vote, there has been a lot of things that happened. So in May of 2020, negotiations wrapped up between Gage and the university on a union contract and they finally agreed to it. The university finally agreed to it um, on May 1st, 2020, on May Day actually. And the week after Gage workers uh, voted to adopt the union contract and it's been in place ever since. However, recently, specifically in the fall 2020 semester, there was a lot of controversy because the Gage Union was trying to negotiate with the university over expanded 
protections and benefits during COVID, specifically like paid sick leave and guaranteeing virtual jobs if students couldn't or didn't want to be in person, um, student workers, I mean. And basically the university decided not to really engage with Gage in these negotiations. And that was the beginning of Gage's current stage of arbitration with the university uh, in which Gage basically said Georgetown was violating the terms of its contract with Gage. And they went to a third party arbitrator and the arbitrator ruled in Gage's favor that Georgetown was obligated to bargain with them over COVID-19 protections. So now Gage and Georgetown are back at the negotiations. They've been doing that for the past month and a half and hopefully something soon will be agreed upon. So that is the, in a nutshell, summary of the history of Gage, specifically like how I got in contact with Gage members. Really good question. I knew some of the Gage organizers through the Solidarity Committee and Gage reached out to me the fall of my sophomore year, uh, writing, asking to perhaps talk to The Voice about any like related updates with the unionization uh, bargaining with the university. Uh, and that was my first contact as a journalist reporting on Gage. And since then, I've just try to keep in consistent contact with Gage members and Gage officials. I think every two weeks, I like to check in with them to see what else is new, any new updates. And I feel like I've got to build a good relationship with a lot of the Gage workers who are some of the most like dedicated and hardworking organizers that I've ever had the privilege of meeting. And it's really inspiring seeing how they not only fight for graduate student workers, but also for student, undergraduate students, Aramark workers, normal Georgetown staff members who are not unionized. There's really just a sense of solidarity there that I really love. Yeah, I think um, my next question is a little bit about kind of your sourcing, but you've talked a little bit about that. If you want to talk about kind of like the very first story you wrote about that and like the process of how do you even like get in, involved in that? Because obviously, like you have this rapport with them now and this trust that you've built through the stories that you've done. But in the very beginning, like how did you even kind of get into that inner circle so they trusted not just you, but also like a media outlet really to kind of take their story and, and do it justice really? I think one thing that definitely helped was knowing that I was in the Solidarity Committee before, which actually was involved in helping Gage organize its vote for unionization in November, 2018. Um, so I guess being involved in that organization to begin with allowed me to know some Gage individuals and to build initial connections with them. And after they reached out to me in my interviews with Gage members, I would ask objective questions, but I would let them know that like their struggle was like heard and seen by me and the members of The Voice and that I try to show support in as many like subtle ways as I could by like promoting their social media posts on the Gage Twitter or um, just asking about how like the university is planning on like listening to them. Just issues like that. 
and small gestures like that, I think are really useful for journalists when attempting to bridge divides between journalists and workers or people who have historically felt vulnerable talking to the media out of fear of like employer retaliation. So I think that was one way I build a rapport with them. And yeah, I'd say treat your interviewees as more than just people you talk to for a story. And once you build like personal or connections outside of just a professional setting, I think it's really useful to continue knowing what they're engaging in. And it really allows for deeper and more well-sourced stories in general about any particular issues such as workers' rights. Thank you so much for that answer. I think you have a really interesting perspective having worked with people for so long um, who are very much engaged in this issue and building relationships over time with them. And so considering the fact that you've been looking into this topic for so long, what's something from all of your research, all of the interviews that you've done that strikes you the most about employee rights at Georgetown? Or if we were all to take one key away from the experience of Georgetown employees, what would that be? I'd say one takeaway that I have is that although Georgetown professes to be grounded in these Jesuit values of justice and dignity, the way that they've treated workers over their entire history, beginning with the enslaved people who built the campus and now with their treatment of redeployed Georgetown workers, it's just been a long history of exploitation and a refusal to acknowledge that exploitation. And I think the saddest part is compared to other universities and other large institutions, Georgetown is not even like terrible in the way they treat their workers, yet they are already like so exploitative that it shows in general how workers at universities have consistently been exploited, underpaid, and underprotected by these multi-billion dollar so-called educational institutions with missions of like justice. And I think that would be my one main takeaway from all the conversations I've had and things I've learned from workers at Georgetown. Just the extent to which workers don't feel respected or valued, even at this Jesuit social justice-oriented institution. Thank you for that. Um, And you mentioned that throughout history, from Georgetown's history of slavery to present, there has been a struggle for workers' rights on campus. But we also see that today we have the redeployed Georgetown program that has recently come under fire, Aramark workers who have been struggling during the COVID-19 pandemic. And now we have advocacy through the Georgetown Coalition for Workers' Rights. So could you contextualize a little bit the current situation that's going on at Georgetown? Definitely. As was referenced in the editorial that The Voice put out on workers' rights, as well as the letter from the coalition on workers' rights. Basically, Georgetown has just been in complete violation of its promise to treat workers with dignity and pay them living wages. Uh, So after the student hunger strike that I mentioned earlier, Georgetown agreed to adopt a just employment policy, which guaranteed, quote unquote, dignity, a living wage, and 
appropriate grievance procedures for all employees and applying that to contracted employees as well. Right now, one of the really big issues, particularly with Aramark, is Aramark, which is the contractor Georgetown uses for Leo's workers and Levy workers, they have just been really cutting their workers' hours. So while the living wage, quote unquote, is still above minimum wage, the number of hours has been cut by, for some workers by more than half, which means that they don't have enough money to support their families on. And you've seen situations like Miss um, Walton, a worker at Leo's who had to resort to GoFundMe to raise money for supporting her family and for supporting herself. And it was students who ended up having to support people like Miss Walton, which I think is an amazing thing that students did, but it should be imperative that the university doesn't put its workers in that situation in the first place where they have to resort to charity to get a living wage. Um, so that's one really big issue that's facing campus workers right now. And then the second really major issue is with the redeploy program, which likewise violates the just employment policy. So the redeploy Georgetown program was started by the university in fall 2020 as a voluntary program where university employees, if they wanted, could be reassigned into public health screening roles where they would like be able to stand outside buildings and check for badges of students who were allowed to be on campus and doing screening tasks similar to that. However, in the spring, Georgetown decided to make this program mandatory. And what they told its employees is that they were going to select a number of employees to join the redeploy program. And it was essentially forced upon them because if they refused, they would be put on unpaid leave, which doesn't allow for health insurance, and it doesn't allow them to claim unemployment benefits. So it really was the worst possible situation for the workers put on the redeploy program against their will. And Georgetown additionally to compound its forcing of these workers to do this job that they were just absolutely not trained for or hired for. Georgetown also didn't provide appropriate PPE at the beginning of the redeploy program in the spring. They also didn't train the redeploy workers on how to deal with students who might be unmasked or aggressive when like refused entry to a building. And they also didn't give them access to appropriate official grievance procedures Rather, they told these workers who might have health conditions or other extenuating circumstances that might prohibit them from joining Redeploy, they told them to go through a complaint process with the IDEA office. And that is not an official grievance procedure. And there was also no guarantee of accommodations for workers with pre-existing conditions. So basically, the Redeploy Georgetown program violates the just employment policy on almost every aspect of it. And it has been gaining national attention. Even the Washington Post reported on it. It just really was a really egregious violation of workers' rights and their so-called 
dignity that Georgetown claims to uphold. And I was really fortunate to be reached out to by two employees who were forced to be redeployed. And that was the first time I'd ever even heard of the program. And when they talked to me, they talked about how the majority of the people who were redeployed, 59% of them were workers of color. They also talked to me about everything I mentioned in the injustice that was being done to them. And it really gave me additional context on how Georgetown has this facade of treating workers well, but really privately, it just refuses to give even a semblance of care or thought about what they're putting their workers through. Yeah, I think the fact that they reached out to you, I think it's really a testament to your relationship with workers as a reporter. I think it's incredible that they came to you and knew that you would take this story. And now we've published a lot about it and wrote the editorial. So I think that's incredible that they came to you with that. I think it says a lot. Just for our listeners, editorial that was published recently in our March issue, it's called uh, Georgetown is breaching its own contract to treat workers with dignity. And it outlines a lot of these things as all the resources Darren is talking about. We talk about this in the editorial a little bit, and I think you've done a really good job outlining kind of what the university has, has failed to do for workers. And I do think that while there's been some great student advocacy with you know the GoFundMe pages, there hasn't really been enough, I think we could say, from students, and I think we note in the editorial that like student behavior regardless has to change in how they treat workers, whether that's on campus and off, and you know, Georgetown students are very, uh, you know, they advocate a lot with Instagram posts and whatever kind of ways they do it. But that kind of advocate with serious advocacy with sit-ins and petitions, we haven't seen a lot of that um, prior to the coalition work with in regards to workers' rights. So can you talk a little bit about why Georgetown students need to care about this? Not why they should, but why they need to and expand on what Georgetown students need to do better. Because Georgetown needs to do better, but the student population definitely does too. Definitely. I think Georgetown students are really passionate about a lot of social justice issues on the national scale, when it's uh, the woman's right to choose or immigration justice or same-sex marriage. I think these are really great issues that Georgetown students are passionate about. But I think in addition to that advocacy, there needs to be an acknowledgement that as Georgetown students, we are part of the DC community and we need to be just as equally informed and engaged in issues facing people and communities in the DMV area. And I think one example of that would be workers' rights on campus, because the workers that take care of us, that make sure we stay safe and fed, they are residents of the DMV area. They're disproportionately people of color, and Georgetown really has just not been doing enough for them in terms of protections or benefits or pay. And I think if we are to advocate for disadvantaged groups, I think employees who like often can't even speak out about the issues that they face due to fear of being fired or put on unpaid leave by the university, I think that is a group that we definitely need to be able to advocate for. I think for too long, students have kind of viewed students' issues and workers' issues separately. But the fact is that we all inhabit the same spaces on campus. Whatever workers are going through will be reflected on the student experience 
uh, in our everyday interactions with workers and the ways in which they take care of us. So I think as students, the first thing that we have to do is to fully educate ourselves on the issues that campus workers are going through. I think there's been a lot of increased interest in workers' rights due to the publicization of the Redeploy Georgetown program and the formation of the Coalition for Workers' Rights. And I think that needs to be kept up. Like Georgetown students should not have to read about this terrible injustice that's being perpetuated on workers for them to become interested in workers' rights on campus. I think there should be a continual education and self-education about those issues. And I think after students are educated, they can do initiatives and, that support workers from launching GoFundMe for workers, which I thought was a really great use of our power as students to organizing petitions or even demonstrations in support of workers. I think all this can be done. And especially as students look set to go back to campus in the fall, I think there are so many issues and problems and concerns that workers have about that reopening that the Georgetown administration just really has not been keeping them in the loop on. For example, when Georgetown announced that they were bringing back some freshmen over the summer to take classes, workers were just not consulted about this decision before it was made. They were basically told, this is what will happen and you have no input in this. Although it would be the workers themselves who don't have a choice to be there and need to put their potential safety and health on the line to take care of the students who would be on campus. So I think as we look to return to campus, it becomes all the more important for students to educate themselves on workers' injustices on campus, as well as show support for workers by putting our dollars, our time, our social media platforms, and even our bodies on the line to show them that we care about them. Thank you, Darren, so much. If you've made anything clear, it is that it is absolutely vital for Georgetown students to be part of this conversation, to be you know, part of advocacy for, for workers' rights and care about this issue as much as they care about other issues. So thank you so much for, for your time and for your work, both in news and all of the significant reporting you have done on GAGE and workers' rights in the news team, but also your work now as the editorial board chair, continuously making sure that this is an issue that students are knowledgeable about and are engaging in. To all of our listeners, if you would like to read more about GAGE and workers' rights at Georgetown, you can read Darren's articles on GAGE and redeploy Georgetown, gauge arbitration with the university, engage negotiations over COVID-19 concerns um, at thegeorgetownvoice.com. You can also read our recent editorials and other past reporting on employees' rights at Georgetown. Thank you so much for your time. Remember to stay engaged in the issues of workers' rights on campus, and we will see you next time on Behind the Headlines. (laughs) 